I say this, one encounter with God can change your life. One encounter with him. You know, you could go, I, before I was in ministry, I was a psychology major going pre-med in university. Okay, and I knew, I learned psychology. I learned how to psychoanalyze people, figure them out. You know, just, you know, figure out what are the, what's their personality type, then what environmental influences have they experienced in life to kind of form who they are today. But I realized something. Just because you can figure out all of the points of trauma in your life that made you who you are today, just because you know those things doesn't automatically make you okay. You just know why you're such a mess. Praise God. <laughs> it's a good starting point. It's a good starting point. But I know, I know as human beings, we're intricate people. And there are some things in, in our minds, in our souls, in our emotions that only Jesus can heal and transform and set free and change. But there is nothing beyond the changing power of God. So, praise the Lord. Nothing beyond His power that He cannot transform us in. Now, today, I want to start by saying this. We are prophetically in a season of divine suddenlies. Accelerated suddenlies. And I want you to get ready for an accelerated suddenly in your life. And when I say an accelerated suddenly, I mean a sudden open door, a sudden miracle, a sudden healing, a sudden provision, a sudden divine creative thought from heaven that God wants you to release here on the earth. Because that's how it works. The creative mind of God will, will, he will download thoughts into your mind that he wants you to release here in the earth. So get ready for suddenlies of every kind accelerated suddenly and not just one suddenly but suddenly after suddenly after suddenly after suddenly i mean sudden visitations of god i believe we are in a season right now where people are going to start to experience sudden visitations of the lord they're just going to have visitations of god that in a moment they're going to be changed and transformed and it might not even be in church it might be in your kitchen while you're at home doing dishes praise the lord all of a sudden, a suddenly from God shows up. And you have an encounter with him. We're in a season of these suddenlies. And Malachi 3, I want to release this suddenly over you today. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. You know, there's something about you can even position yourself for a suddenly. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly show up. See, there's a seeking... And then from the seeking, there comes a suddenly. And in this scripture in Malachi, it says, He is coming like a refiner's fire. Oh, praise God. I preached on this last night. I'm not going to preach on it today. But God is coming like a refiner's fire. And everything that does not look like Jesus, sound like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus, think like Jesus, the fire of God is going to burn it all up. And what's going to be left in us is Jesus. Jesus is going to saturate your soul. Jesus is going to saturate your mind. He's going to saturate your heart. So that when someone aggravates your flesh, Jesus shows up. Come on now. Look, I know you can be as sweet as pie until someone aggravates your flesh. But God wants us to be so full of Jesus. That even if someone is really anointed at pushing our buttons, Jesus comes out. Come on now. You know your buttons, and some other people know your buttons. 
And sometimes they enjoy pushing the buttons. But God wants us so full of Him that Jesus comes out in those moments. So God is coming like a beautiful refiner's fire and filling our lives with Jesus. And, you know, I think about, I want to I read two scriptures from you here first. In 1 Corinthians 12 and then in, ver, in chapter 13. So the first scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. How many here think that it would just be such an amazing thing if you could walk by someone paralyzed on the floor and they just jump up and start dancing? How many would think it would just be an amazing thing to have such prophetic accuracy that when you look at someone, you know all the details of their life, all the details of their future, you're just able to launch them into the destiny that God has for them. How many think that would be an amazing gift to operate in? Or to just walk into an emergency room in the hospital and just see everyone jump out of the beds healed. I mean, these are big thoughts right now, right? These are big thoughts. You know, you know, how many would just love to just go for a prayer walk through your neighborhood and all your neighbors get healed and set free? Especially the demonized neighbor that lives next door to you. You really want them saved and healed and delivered? Come on now. Look, if you got a demonized neighbor, super soakers work really well. Oh, yeah. Anointing with oil. You know, just fill that super soaker up with oil. You can stand on your own property and anoint their whole house. Praise God. Praise God. Just do it at night so they don't see you doing it. No. <laughs> but I think of these displays of God and like what would be the ultimate display of God's power and how amazing would it be for all of us to experience these things and walk in these things. And then I read in the scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, where we're encouraged and it says, but earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and the best gifts and graces. It says that. It says, desire them and cultivate them. So God really wants us going after these things. And then Paul goes on to say, and yet I will show you still a more excellent way. Wait a second. What could be more excellent? than these types of displays of the reality of God in the world today. What else could be greater than that? And it goes on to say, I'll show you still a more excellent way than the greatest display of power you can, you can imagine. Love. Yet I will show you a more excellent way, one that is better by far and the highest of them all, love. 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen. And so faith, hope, and love abide. Now I'm going to read from the Amplified. It's a little wordier, praise God. Faith, hope, and love abide. Faith is the conviction and belief respecting man's relation to God and divine things. Hope, the joyful, confident expectation of eternal salvation. Oh, how many thank God for hope? How many thank God for faith? That through faith, we can experience relationship with God. And through hope, we have this, this eternal hope that there's salvation and there's eternity and there's heaven. And then it goes on to say, goes on to say, and love, true affection for God and man growing out of God's love for us. These three, these three, but the greatest of these... The greatest of these, you got faith, faith that moves mountains, faith that re creates miracles, faith, 
that brings you into the righteousness of Christ. Faith, hope that God has a future for you, that God has good plans for you, that God has an amazing life for you. But the greatest of all of this is love. I'm going to prophetically preach on love today. Because there is something coming to the church. There is something being released in the church today. And it's going to be the key that unlocks the greatest power and the greatest move of God that we have ever seen. How many are ready for it? Love. The greatest of all these things. I think of love. And I think of the time where I was in a meeting. This was early on in our ministry. And I remember my dad and my mom were with me in this service. And during this meeting, they carried in a woman with bone cancer. Carried her in. And she couldn't even walk by herself. They carried her up and sat her on the front row. And as she's sitting, she looked like a skeleton. And as she's sitting there, my mom was sitting next to her. And my mom, during the worship, just leans over and puts her arms around her and holds her. And this divine love starts to pour into this lady. And all my mom does is start to speak the scripture into her ear. She just holds her and speaks the word. The healing scriptures, by his stripes you are healed. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. And just starts to speak the scripture over her. As that meeting went on, I'm over here praying for someone. Actually, I was in the back praying for someone. And I hear a commotion at the front altar. And I turn around and I see the lady who was carried in dancing all around the altar. Throwing her arms and legs in the air, dancing, rejoicing, yelling out, I'm healed, I'm healed, and all the pain gone from her body. And this lady takes off running down the center aisle, and she says, my son is waiting in the parking lot. He dropped me off here. He's waiting out there for me. He wouldn't even come into the meeting. And and she said, I got to go tell him Jesus healed me. And she ran right out of the church. (laughs) Ran right out. And I've seen these moments, I've seen these moments where divine love, divine love becomes the key that unlocks the power that is in the heart of God, that is in the heart of God. And I think of Galatians, and this is a scripture I've meditated and thought on a lot, Galatians 5 verse 6, where it says, only faith, now it says, for if we are in Christ Jesus, now There's a lot we could say about being in Christ Jesus, how we are righteous in Christ and new in Christ. We're new creations. Old things have passed away. All things are becoming new. And and God has made us positionally in this place, in Christ. And then it says, in Christ, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Now, in the Amplified Bible, it says this, faith activated, energized, and expressed through love. Listen to that. Faith. So this is the Greek translation of the word working. It's energized. It's activated. Faith is activated by love. Faith is energized by love. Love is actually the key that sets faith into motion. Now, I remember I had a conversation with Oral Roberts. How many remember Oral Roberts? Great healing evangelist of the 1950s, opened up a university. And it was four months before he graduated to heaven that I had a personal conversation with him in his living room. And I asked him, 
tell me one of the secrets to your miracle ministry in those crusade meetings. And there was a small group of us there. And he looks at us and he says, well, he says, a lot of people would say it was my faith, that I was a man of great faith. He says, but I'm going to be honest with you. I never asked God for faith. He said, when I read in the Bible that every Christian is given a measure of faith, I just believed that word and that I believed that I had faith. So I never even asked for faith because I believed the word of God that it said I had faith. So I had faith. Praise God. He said, but what I did do is I would go into my hotel room before a crusade meeting and I would seek God and I would ask God for his love. He said, as I began to experience God's love for the people, as I began to love the people, he said the miracles exploded in the meetings to a whole new level. Oh, praise the Lord. Imagine actually caring about the people you're preaching to. Shocking revelation. Actually loving people and caring about people. But he prayed. And the Bible says that we can pray and the Holy Spirit will shed the love of God abroad in our hearts. That we are not limited to earthly love. We're not limited to our own capacity to love. But God is able to enlarge our capacity within our hearts to receive God's love and minister from a place of divine virtue that's beyond our own ability. Beyond our own ability. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God for when he lifts us beyond our own ability. Because I tell you, sometimes we need to go beyond our own ability. I remember I was in a service once. And, and there was a woman sitting down, and we were praying for people at the altar. And God highlighted her to me. And he said, go pray for her. And I remember having a conversation with God. I said, God, I don't think she wants prayer. She's sitting down. She's not at the altar. And God said, go pray for her. So I leave the altar, and I go walk back to her. And I say, hi, can I pray for you? And she looks up at me with the meanest face, and she says, no. I don't want you to pray for me. And I looked up to God. I said, God, I told you. I told you. Remember, I have the gift of discernment. I knew she did not want prayer. (laughs) And God said, pray for her. So I looked at her again. I said, can I pray for you? And she said, no, I don't want you to pray for me. I've had everyone pray for me, and I am still sick. She said, God doesn't love me. God doesn't want to heal me. And then she starts to list all of the sicknesses she has in her body. And she kept going on and on. I never knew someone could be so sick. I never knew someone could have so many sicknesses. She kept going on and on and on and on and on. And she successfully talked me out of every ounce of faith that was in my heart. <laughs> the more she told me her problems, the more I was like, oh, yeah, that, oh, yeah, lady. Oh, oh, oh. And every time another, pro- oh, oh, yeah, sound good. And I'm just going to be honest. Inside, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, you're probably going to (laughs) die. I had no more faith. And now I'm like, God, what do I do? How do I pray for her? I got no more faith, God. So I looked at her and I just said, shh, shh, shh. And I closed my eyes. 
because I didn't know what else to do. And I just start praying in the spirit. Chakarabanda, oh God. <laughs> so, as I start to pray in the spirit, I go into a vision. And I'm standing there in my vision and I see this brick wall right in front of me. And it is all this woman's sickness and problems and anger and, and depression and just everything. It's just like a brick wall. And then all of a sudden, in my, as I start to pray in the spirit, I start to go higher. And I start to see myself going up this brick wall. And then as I go up this brick wall, this love is filling my heart. I mean, rather than being irritated at this lady for yelling at me, love was filling my heart for her. And it was not my love. It was God's love. And as I was lifted higher, 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 I saw the top of that brick wall. And I came over the top of that brick wall. And I saw. And I heard the voice of God speak to me. And he said to me, she does not need healing. And I said, God, what are you talking about? Sounds like she needs healing. (laughs) Sounds like she needs a lot of healing, God. And he said to me, she has a spirit of infirmity. Cast it out. You see, she had everyone in the world pray healing, 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 healing. But no one ever took authority over a spirit. And the only way you know the difference is by discernment. Otherwise, it could look exactly the same on the outside. So I look at her, and I said, well, can I pray for you? And she finally agrees. She stands up, plants her feet, crosses her arms, says, pray for me. (laughs) So now I didn't want to get all Pentecostal on her because she didn't look like she was in a frame of mind. For me to be like, devil! <laughs> you, know, you know, the old time Pentecostals, they're like, devil! Boom! You know, you just slap them on the head, come out! <laughs> Sometimes people can't even handle the thought of a demon. They're like, a demon, no, no! Ah! So I just looked at her and I said, look, I'm not talking to you. I am talking to that devil. No. (laughs) I'm not talking to you. Uh, I didn't even say, I didn't even tell her. I just said, I'm talking to the sickness. And she said, okay. And she's just staring at me. And I look right in her eyes. And I say, in the name of Jesus, you infirmity, you have been found out. You've been uncovered. You got to go. You got to leave her right now in the name of Jesus. And the power of God hit this lady. She went back under the power of God. And this thing left her body. And she starts weeping and weeping and weeping. And then she starts laughing and laughing. And then she's weeping and then she's laughing. And she's having this glory encounter with God. And by the time she gets off the floor, she is totally free. Totally free. Totally healed. No more pain in her body. And she's, she's looking at me. She's like, she's like, I have felt dead for five years. I haven't felt God. I haven't felt his presence. She says, this is the first time in five years that I'm feeling the presence of God. I feel alive again. I feel alive again. And, and God worked a miracle and a deliverance at the same time. And, and it was connected to love. I'm telling you, it was connected to love because in, in the natural, I could have looked at her and been like, look, this is hopeless. Yeah, you're, you're actually irritating me now because you're yelling at me. But God just washed all that away and replaced it with love. And something supernatural was activated, bringing this lady into her breakthrough. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. I think God wants to give us love bombs. I mean, love is the greatest spiritual weapon you will ever have. 
I'm telling you, love never fails. Love disarms the enemy. Love disarms offense. Love disarms mistreatment. I mean, love just disarms. It just disarms. Love can even, love can even release divine favor. I remember once I was getting a car rental. It was late at night. I'd been traveling all day long. And I go up to this car rental place, and the lady starts asking me, so, you know, do you want an upgrade? Do you want an upgraded car? And I'm like, well, is it free? You know, you have not because you ask now. I'm like, well, is it free? You know, sometimes they do give you free upgrades. They just give it to you. So I said, is it free? She looked at me. She's like, you get nothing for free at this counter. I mean, she was like, you get nothing. She was not having it. She's like, you get nothing for free here. I'm like, okay. She's like, Merry Christmas. That's what she said to me. Merry Christmas. You get nothing. <laughs> so, I don't know. Look, I was tired. And I could have been like, look, lady, take your upgrade. And, you know. But, <laughs> but something else rose up in me. Something else just rose up. And this smile came in my, on my face. And I looked at her. I said, well, Happy New Year. You know. <laughs> Christmas is over. It's the new year. Happy New Year. And something hit this lady, and she thought that was the funniest thing she ever heard, and she starts laughing hysterically. Ah, happy new year. Ha, ha, ha. She's laughing. And then she hits a few things, drops the key in my hand. She's like, well, here's your free upgrade. And she gives me my upgrade. (laughs) So now, I mean, this, it works, so... I just read an article, because I fly so much, I just read an article about flying, and they said, if you smile at the airline stewardesses, you're more likely to get an upgrade. Praise God. (laughs) So now I go up, I'm like... (laughs) First class! (laughs) Oh, yeah, they even said, they they, they talked to airline stewardesses, the the behind-the-scenes reveal... That, that customers that are rude, they can move them into the middle seat. <laughs> I'm going to put you in the middle seat. They do it. They do it. <laughs> oh, so, so it, was, it was recently, I was at a prophetic gathering, and it was under Cindy Jacobs, and it was a seven days, seven days in Dallas, Texas. Of, uh, so it started with a prophetic roundtable of about 50 leaders. Then the second two days was a prophetic international roundtable with about 200 leaders from 50 nations. 200 prophets. And we, they just prophesied for two days straight on everything God is speaking around the world. I mean, it was amazing. And then the last three days was a, like a summit, like a conference. So out of this time, there was many profound things that happened and many profound prophetic words and moments in God's presence. But I'm going to tell you the most profound moment for me out of the whole week. I was sitting at lunch. Praise the Lord. It was at lunch. And I'm sitting at lunch with one of my friends from Israel and two or three other leaders. And I'm going to share with you today what he shared with me because he said to me, Matt, can I share with you from my life? what's been going on in my life this past year. I'm like, yes, please share. So after he shared it with me, tears were running down all of our eyes. And I asked him if I had permission to reshare what he shared with me. And he said, yes, I have permission to share it. So 
I'm going to share it with you. So he starts to share with us how his 27-year-old daughter, uh, she has a five-year-old son, husband, very musically gifted, won a lot of awards and contests and just, you know, a brilliant young lady. She came down with cancer. And they're in the hospital room with this, with this daughter. All the family's there. And this 27-year-old girl passes away. She dies of cancer. She goes brain dead. No more heartbeat. She's gone. And the whole family's standing around. They start to call her back to life again. And this girl comes back into her body. She comes back to life. And when she opens up her eyes, she looks up at her dad and says, Dad, I was in heaven. And I know it sounds funny. No, it's not funny. (laughs) Dad, I was in heaven and Jesus talked to me. And I'm going to share with you a heavenly conversation that went on between Jesus and this girl. And it's going to give us an insight into eternity. And it changed my life. I'm just telling you right now, it has realigned and changed everything in my life. <clears throat> so she says, Dad, Jesus didn't mention anything to me about all of my earthly accomplishments. He didn't say anything to me about my awards or the things that I've done. He said, the first, she said, the first thing Jesus said to me was, thank you. He thanked her. He said, thank you for loving me the way you love me. Thank you for worshiping me even when you were in pain. Thank you for how you have loved me. You have brought joy to my heart. And I instantly thought of the scripture that says, in his presence is fullness of joy. And many times I've looked at that scripture and I've thought, in his presence, when I worship him, I'm going to receive fullness of joy. And that's true. We do receive joy in God's presence. But there's another side to that. Not only do we receive joy, but when we minister to God in worship, we minister joy to His heart. Because He sees everything on the earth. He sees the most vile stuff that happens. He sees it all and it grieves His heart. But when He looks down and He sees a redeemed son and daughter of God worshiping Him, it brings so much joy to His heart. You get to minister joy to the Father's heart. Then he says to her, and thank you. And he starts to name people to her. Thank you for loving so-and-so so well. Thank you for forgiving them when it was so difficult to forgive them. Thank you for loving them so well that you forgave them. And he starts to name to her the people that she forgave and the people that she loved. And then he says to her, thank you for loving your son and for being a mom. And for pouring love into your family and into your son. And he starts to talk to her about loving her son and loving her family. And all the things Jesus talked about to her was about her love for him and her love for people. And I think, could it be all the things that we think are so important? In God's eyes, maybe they're not as important as we think they are. Can we hold the car? Thank you. I love kids, but let's just hold the car. Could it be that it's just not as important as we think it is? Could it be that everything we walk through in life, 
everything that is a part of our journey, even the good, the bad, and the ugly, that all of it, all of it God uses to teach us how to love. That every time we find ourselves in a painful situation, we learn how to love God. Every time we find ourselves in a painful situation with a person, we learn how to love people. And then I thought how Jesus said it in his earthly ministry. He said it. It was right there the whole time. Mark 12, verse 30. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first and principal commandment. The second is like it, and is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The two most important things to God's heart. Loving him and loving people. And I think God wants to set us free from an earthly perspective. Because it is so easy to compare yourself with someone else. It is so easy, even in ministry world, to compare one platform with another, one church with another, and say, oh, that church, you know, or that ministry. For example, oh, surely in our earthly perspective, Reinhard Bonnke's platform, where he preaches to millions of people, surely that is more successful and better than a missionary in a mud hut in Africa giving a piece of bread to someone. Surely the bigger is better than the smaller. Surely this is success in ministry. How big is my platform? How big is my television ministry? How many people can I reach? And surely God wants us to reach a lot of people. But sometimes we measure our success based on earthly standards and not on heavenly ones. Because I'm going to tell you something today. When it all comes down to it, Anything that is done motivated by love is the same in God's eyes. Whether he gives you a platform to a million or a platform to one, if it's a work done in love, it is the same in the eyes of God. And I've been in the mud hut in Africa with Heidi Baker where she gets on her knees and hands a piece of bread to an African mom who's hungry. Hidden away where no one can see that act of kindness and love. But I know There are works of wood, hay, and straw, and there are works of gold and silver. The works of wood, hay, and straw get burnt up by the fire. The works of gold and silver survive the fire. Anything we do in this life that is motivated by the love of God survives the fire and has an eternal reward attached to it. And I think some of us are going to be shocked when we get to heaven and we see the the rewards that people have. We're going to be like, who's that lady? Who is that lady? And how did she get the biggest mansion in heaven? I did not see her on TV. I did not know her name. Who is she? Oh, she's the old lady in the church. Not the old lady, but the grandma. The grandma in the church. That's the intercessor. That's behind the scenes praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And as every prayer she prayed, her rewards went bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. You can be totally, totally free from false comparison. 
looking at what someone else has, looking at what someone else does. Oh, surely that. Uh, if your heart is motivated by love, you're living for the kingdom of God. And you're fulfilling the two greatest commandments that are in the heart of God. The two things he is looking for the most is how do we love him and how do we love other people? It's eternal. And it's what lasts forever. Oh, hallelujah. Love will reprioritize everything in your life. It'll reprioritize your motives. It'll reprioritize your activities. When you get in touch with the heart of God. I remember the day I was in prayer. And God shared his heart with me. About children. And he shared his heart with me. And he said, I want you to find these lost children. And I remember feeling so overwhelmed by the prospect of what that would look like. And my heart had to come to a place of surrender. But I'm going to tell you, as God shared his heart with me, and as I began to weep over these children, God began to reorder everything in our ministry. Everything. We began to reprioritize where our money was going. We began to reprioritize the outreaches that we did. And everything started to get funneled into the heartbeat of the Father. Not that it wasn't funneled into God's heart before, but it got redirected from different ministry endeavors into what his heart was for us in this season, in this hour, in this day. And I think... Day-to-day, things would look very different in each one of our lives. If we could remember on a daily basis, when we wake up in the morning, Father, what opportunity do I have to love you today? And what opportunities are you giving me to love people today? And what does that look like for me today? Because sometimes we've got to remind ourselves. Because it is so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day. And to even lose sight of eternity and to lose sight of what is most important in the heart of God. And I know this was a glimpse into a heavenly conversation that brings a depth of revelation of what is in the heart of God for each one of our lives. Next time someone does something that hurts you, rather than getting frustrated and upset about it, look at it as an amazing opportunity to love. Look at it as an amazing opportunity to experience the divine love of God in a deeper way than you ever have before. It'll change your perspective on everything. Let everything that we do in life, let our greatest aim be to love. Let that be our greatest aim. Because when you begin to walk in love, everything else follows it. The miracles follow it. The anointing follows it. The heart of God follows it. The glory of God follows it. 
last year, you know, I remember the day when God opened up to our ministry television. And it was right. And it was God. And we had seven years in 200 nations around the world reaching people all over the place. And I remember the day when God spoke to me about the children. And God began to realign our hearts. Media ministry is awesome. And it's very powerful. And it's anointed used by God. But for us, I had to come to a place where I was willing to let go of things. Even like that. And maybe there'll be a day God puts me back on television if he wants to. If not, that's okay. Because I don't seek after it. I seek after what his heart is. And if his heart is for me to go into a hidden place, I will. And... As he led us in ministry, I'll tell you what, my will had to submit to God's will. I had to take my hands off stuff and let it go and then take everything God was giving us and redirect it. And that's what we did. We took all of our media money, redirected it towards child rescue. And I said, okay, God, this is your heart. I will go into a hidden place so that we can reach more children. And that's what's happened. We have over 250 children rescued now. Over 250 children rescued. And last year, our hearts soared as we saw these boys in Mexico being rescued from trafficking situations. All under the age of nine years old, trafficked, some of them from the age of three, by their own parents and grandparents, now safe in our home in Mexico. Praise the Lord. And you'd be shocked at how well they're doing. Coming from the trauma they came from, you'd be shocked at how well they're doing. In school, excelling, moving forward with their lives. Being children again. I remember the day I was in prayer. Before you ever heard anything about trafficking, I remember I was in prayer and God spoke to me so clear. He said, Matt, I'm about to shine a spotlight on the global problem of trafficking. And I remember him speaking that to me before you ever even heard it mentioned anywhere. And then all of a sudden that year, you started to hear it over here and over here and over there. And then it became awareness and God started to move, started to raise up people and started to raise up ministries and started to raise up a justice movement to set people free. And as we've come into this year, God has opened an amazing, amazing door for us in Thailand, Northeast Thailand, where we are working with a school to rescue children out of trafficking families, where generationally moms, sisters have been trafficked and now Little children are being born into this, and they very easily get swept up into it generationally. But we've provided a school to take these children and remove them from that trafficking environment, pay for their education, pay for trade school after their high school until their life gets on a whole new track and direction. 
So we hit this from different angles. It's one thing to rescue a child. It's another thing then to empower and equip that child to redirect their future. And it's a very comprehensive approach to this problem. We had a meeting with our team on Monday. And they have shared with us that they now have a list of 100 children. They have a list of 100 children that are waiting to be helped. And we are working together. And you would be shocked. Our goal is to see at least 50 of these through our ministry rescued this year. That's our goal. And I pray God does more. But right now, we're stepping out to see the first 50. And their school year starts in May. So we've got one month, one month to secure the rescue of these children so that we could put them into a school system that redirects them. So we're in the process of right now of raising as much as we can for this because otherwise we have to wait until next school year to be able to put these children into the program. It only is $600 to rescue a child. Think about that. $600 to rescue a child. That's it. So we have given our ministry to this. Besides our travel and doing ministry like this, we've given our ministry to this. So we, I want to pray for you today. But before I pray for you, we're just going to give an opportunity for you to sow into this. Anything you sow will help us in this endeavor. And whatever you feel God putting on your heart. I will say this, that if you feel God leading you to sow to rescue a child with 600, we will connect your donation with a specific child. You will get the photo of that child, the name of that child. You will know the child that you rescued. And you will be able to see their face and pray for them and stand with them in that way. So we're going to receive an offering right now. Um, if you would like to give an offering by a credit card, you could do that. We got credit card slips. If you guys want to use that, just raise your hand if you want a credit card slip. Otherwise, please make a check out to the church here, and the, the checks will be processed through the church. Um, amen. I think there's offering envelopes in the chairs. Anything you want to share, Pastor? Yeah, also real quick, uh, of course, you know, you can go onto our website at harvestrenewal.org, go into our giving page, GiveLify, and put in the amount you want to give. And once you do that, click on that, then uh, you'll, you'll be, go to another page, and it will have all the places where you want to direct that gift. And uh, if you want to give that way toward this, toward Matt, uh, go to the one that says Guest Speaker. Okay, you'll find the one that says guest speaker and that and then hit that and then that whatever you give will go toward that and we will write a check to Matt to uh, to bless him. Okay. Thank you, Lord. We'll just have some music play when you're ready there. Father, I just thank you today, Lord, that you bring us into heavenly realities and you share the depths of your heart with us. And Father, my prayer today over every single seed that is sown here, God, I ask you, Father, above and beyond 
You would bless every single giver here today and even those, every, every person that's here today. God, just let your blessing rest upon their lives. And Father, I ask you to bless this offering. And Lord, I pray that you would find these children, God, and rescue them, God. Even through what is given today, let more children come into the kingdom and come into freedom. We pray in the name of Jesus. We give you the glory for it, God. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're going to worship, and we'll give people maybe another minute just to finish writing, and then we'll pass the buckets or offering bags. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, does anyone else need a slip for a credit card? Back over here.